Welcome to episode 132 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined this week by Ryan Topp and Paul Noonan. But first, we are sponsored once again by Carbon 4 Brewing. You know their classic beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. Like a lot of the local businesses right now, they are still open for food and beer orders to go during this time. So please do continue to support them whether that's taking advantage of those to-go orders the next time you're near their tap room on Kinsman Boulevard in Madison, or even just by picking up a six-pack at your local grocery store. You can also get a deal on Carbon 4 merch online using our promo code MKETailgate at Carbon4.com. That's Carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. You can also help support our podcast network at Patreon.com slash MKETailgate. Ball and glove and above patrons get the monthly Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and Brad. You'll also get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods through the Packers offseason. There's actually a new one posted just the other day, so check it out if you haven't already. Patrons also get question priority here on the program when we do take questions, and you get a personal shout-out when you become a patron. And as always, you can help people find our podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Well, guys, obviously, uh, with everything still kind of shut down right now, there's not baseball talk to talk about right now so we're going to try to do something a little bit different uh still wanted to give everybody something to listen to this week so paul had this really cool idea so uh i'll just paul take it away what are we doing today sure so um i, I assume a lot of our listeners also probably listen to effectively wild um the now fan graphs formerly baseball prospectus podcast run by sam miller ben Lindbergh, and meg raleigh at the moment every 500th episode and that podcast has been on forever um they do a draft of something they like about baseball they do three rounds everybody picks something they really like about baseball it tends to get a little bit off the wall um like the last one 1500 just happened um, i believe it was uh sam drafted a bo jackson card where he's wearing shoulder pads and baseball pants um and went through a whole history of like a an umpire who was on a hall of fame path um at the time actually like stealing a bunch of them and losing his job for it. Um, it was super interesting. We're not going to quite copy Effectively Wild on that front, but we are going to do a draft today, not of things we love about baseball, but of things we love to hate. So this is going to be uh, focused on um, mostly opponents, but it could be something that we hate about the Brewers, I suppose, but I don't think we picked anything like that. And it's not going to be mean-spirited. Like, um, you know, we're not going to say like uh, X player is just a dirt ball or anything like that. These are things that are uh, our opponents do and have that we enjoy disliking immensely, sort of in a fun way, where, you know, it makes baseball more fun to have actual enemies, you know, some reason to actually dislike the team you're playing against. And that is what we're going to focus on. So we're going to do three three rounds of drafting, and we've all prepared, I, I think, more than that, just in case we double up, because I know that we all hate the same things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we'll go from there. Hopefully we'll have some nice discussion over it. But uh, that is the concept. Hopefully this will be fun. So, yeah, the idea uh, here is in the immortal words of C. Montgomery Burns to wallow in crapulence. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, that is such a good one. Yeah, I am. I'm very much looking forward to this. Mine are all focused on rivals. I I stayed in the division, so I basically I tried to come up with one for everybody. I couldn't do the Pirates though. Like I have one. I have one that kind of spans the Pirates and some others. If we get to that, I'm not sure I'm going to use it. It's uh, it, it's it's going to take a double up to get to that one. So. We could maybe do a supplemental round or something if we've got some good ones too. Yeah, maybe. that's true. Sure. Um, okay. Some honorable mentions maybe at the end. 
So uh, I actually uh, I actually rolled dice at the beginning to to figure out who's uh, going first here since I'm, I'm running the show. So I'm going to go last because it's only fair. It's my idea, and uh, I shouldn't steal people's thunder. So Ryan, uh, you're, you're going to be drafting first. You you apparently had a bad season last year, um, so you get the first <laughs> overall pick. Uh, James, you're second, and I'm going to bring up the rear here. And what we'll do, we're not going to do Snake where I get two in a row. That's ridiculous. So normal draft style where Ryan gets to go after that. And if Brad shows up, we're kind of not sure if Brad is is going to be here. So we, if he does pop in, he pops in. And then that's going to be a fun little surprise. (laughs) And we'll see how that goes. So, uh, all right. So with my first pick in the idea of things that you love to hate about your opponents, uh, the Cubs have my brother. So <laughs> that is I forgot about that. Yeah. So my youngest brother is a Cubs fan from the time he was a little kid. And this is mostly my fault. Something that he points out to me whenever I bitch about him being a Cubs fan. And the reason for this is uh, in the mid 90s, I had this weird brief flirtation with being an Orioles fan for like three, four years. Part of it was like when BJ Serhoff signed as a free agent and the Cal Ripken thing. I actually have an authentic Brady Anderson jersey that even though. Oh, wow. Oh, I do. And it's what's weird is it's like a magical jersey that I'm not even sure quite how this works, but I've put on since I got this jersey probably a good 100 pounds, 75 to 100 pounds, and it still fits. And I don't understand why. Like, it's tight, but it, I could still, like, put it on. And it still – it was big when I got it, but it wasn't that big. Like, there's pictures of me with it at the time. Anyway, so I uh, – You'd think I was, a Brady Anderson jersey would fit really well for one season and then never fit again. But. And then, <laughs> Hey-o. There we go. So, anyway, but sort of in this time, my brother became a Cubs fan. And this is largely due to my cousin being a Cubs fan also. Same reason my brother became a Penguins fan. And – so he would watch the games. He would come home from school and he would pop them on WGN, which is, you know, there's a generation of kids that I think are kind of in this situation. His favorite movie or one of his favorite movies growing up was Rookie of the Year. That's a travesty for other reasons. That movie's terrible. But yeah, talk about that at a different time. That'll be, on, that'll be a thing I pick next time we do this. <laughs> so there's always been this thing. And the moment that like really cemented with him where he became a Cubs fan, Cubs fan was when Kerry Wood struck out 20 in 98. That was a huge deal. We both watched it together. I had just gotten home from school, too, and we watched the end of that game together. And I actually went down and grabbed him because I'm a, a good brother. I, I didn't necessarily, like, really discourage this. Uh, he, uh, uh, I, I ran down and grabbed a Chicago Tribune, and so he had the, the cutout of, you know, Kid K or whatever the, the cover of it was. He had that on his bedroom wall for a long time. But... In the ensuing years, it's always been sort of a this fun slash annoying thing back and forth because when we would talk about baseball, I would talk about how much I hate the Cubs and he would want to argue back but try to keep the high ground. Like morally, there's always this this moral back and forth of it where he's trying to keep the high ground and be like, well, I'm above that. I'm above your petty, <laughs> your petty little bickerings. And so he would he would try to do that. And, uh, at, you know, most of the time it, it never really flared up because they were very seldom both good at the same time. The two big times that it really flared up would be obviously 2008 and then 2018 were the times when it really was like, okay, we are both going after the same prize here. And even in, in those cases, it, it, it never was too terrible. So yeah, the, the idea that, uh, that the Cubs, 
have like a member of my family held prisoner has been sort of it's been a huge part of my baseball fandom for basically, you know, my whole life at this point. That is weird. Like I used to watch a bunch of games on WGN when I was a kid and like I could like name the whole 1989 Cubs starting lineup, I think. But, you know, I'm still not a fan of them. You can I watch other teams all the time. It's just weird how that does happen sometimes. That is one of the hidden reasons why the Cubs, you know, became I mean, not hidden. Everybody knows WGN Superstation is why there's a bunch of Cubs fans in the country. But I do think like that really got into kids uh, more than people realize. And it now pays dividends with a bunch of fans that otherwise wouldn't be there. And like, yeah, you got to have night games for revenue. But I do think the lack of day games is one of the things that really hurts the growth of the game. So that's another thing the Cubs kind of not messed up. I understand where the incentives are there. But I think they do pay for that a little bit that they're not on at noon over the summer all the time anymore, just with growth for, for countrywide fans. But I feel for you, Ryan. That's a bummer. I, my kid, my six-year-old, is very contrary. Um, he just says the opposite <laughs> of whatever you do. And he knows he was born in Chicago, so he also likes the Cubs, so he doesn't really understand why or baseball yet. So it's super annoying. It's very obnoxious to have to, like, I don't know, have that fight. And with a six-year-old, it's like, oh, you know, yay, the Brewers. Boo, the Brewers. I hate the Brewers. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fine, so is it, does he have, like, a Clark the Cub or anything like this? or? <clears throat> No, he doesn't. Um, I, I haven't gotten him any merch and don't plan to anytime soon. Um, <laughs> that's just good parenting. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. But um, yeah, that's, that is annoying. All right, uh, James, on to you. In the What's your second, first pick? Yeah, second overall pick in the things we hate draft. I'll go the easy one. Hashtag Cardinals devil magic. Everything <laughs> always goes the Cardinals way. And some of that, for sure, is confirmation bias, I'm, I'm sure. They've probably, you know, in the last few years b- before they made it back to the playoffs, plenty went wrong. But it just feels like whenever you need something to go wrong for the Cardinals, it doesn't. You know? Oh, it, and part of this, it, it, this goes way back for me, uh, probably back to 2006 when that, that team won the World Series with 83 wins. I just pulled up their baseball reference page and it just made me mad all over we can, again we can we can cross off one of mine now um oh boy sorry <laughs> that, that's, yeah. why, that's why we brought six but yes the 2006 yeah. cardinal world series team is one of mine so like like look at this so they're jason marquis started 33 games with a 6.02 yeah, era he, he had 194 innings pitched with a 6.04 era how, how does that still happen Jeff Dupont had like a 191 with a 1.45 whip and like a four something ERA. Oh, he was ERA. Yeah. He was their second best pitcher that year. Uh, Yadi Molina. Yeah. Yadi Molina had a 595 OPS that year. Woof. Yeah. yeah, it's that team just had no business making the playoffs. Period. Let alone winning a World Series. So I think out of that, Cardinals Devil Magic was born, <laughs> and since then they've been fueled by the oh, I mean, baby but- eating Fredbird and. You know, it, it's just kind of gotten worse over the years. But Cardinal Devil Magic goes back before that. Remember Bo Hart? That little son of a... Do, do you remember this? <laughs> uh, I can't remember the actual year, maybe 2002. I don't have uh, access to a computer up in front of me. But, like, he had sure. this half season where I think he was, like, basically, if it if it had played out over a full season at that level, he was, like, a six or seven win player. And this dude was, like, the definition of a replacement player. He came up and just was... Absolutely on fire. And they have this long history. Remember Alan Craig? Uh, yeah, I remember Alan Craig yeah. really well. I mean, Matt Carpenter came out of nowhere. They just have this long history of nobody's becoming 
really good. Right, right up to Tommy Edmond last year. Like they always seem to have this yeah. guy. I do think we should we should make a, a distinction between Matt Carpenter, who has continued to be good, for, right? And it, it yeah. is very like that is a development success story with the guys who come yeah. up and are great for like a season and then never good again. Like, yeah, sure. Your David Freezes, kind of, those kind of guys. Like, you could you, Jose Jimenez, the no hitter. Yeah. Was it like his first career start in a no hitter or something? One of his first two career starts. Late nineties, yeah, that that falls into that pile too. The problem is so, enough of those yeah, guys I, actually do become like good players. Like they do get a Matt Carpenter every once in a while, who kind of came from nowhere, and you think is going to disappear and go back to being nothing. Yeah, and then he he doesn't, and that just is absolutely infuriating. Right. Yeah. So you whether it's those performances or you know like the. Were they the ones that benefited benefited from the infield fly in Atlanta? I forget. Was that a Cardinals Braves series? I forget. Oh yeah, I uh, think so. Years ago, I think you're correct. Yeah, so you know, like stuff, st- stupid stuff like that too. Right. Uh, it's just, just really like annoying that. to see. So we should also <laughs> mention, like, part of the reason that we all hate the Cardinals is that they they are a good franchise. Like, they're the second most World Series, but they also like have looked into more than one. Like the 1982 World Series against the Brewers. The, the Cardinal team was one of the worst World Series participants ever based on their lack of offense. Now, the Brewers were also very flawed, too, as a weird World Series. But, like, it, most of the time, the Cardinals aren't going to win that one, along with the 2006 one. Like, they, they, they seem to get those pretty often. The other thing we should get on them for is, because of the 2006 Cardinals, the Brewers ended up with Jeff Stupon. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't so gonna they also attach that screwed to up the Brewers. Yeah. By the way, Brandon Looper also on that team and a big part yep. of the bullpen that year, and also yep. probably became a Brewer because of this. So yep. really did a lot of damage to the, uh, a not as sophisticated Brewer front office um, at the time, <laughs> <laughs> who shouldn't have done that. Uh, just not good. Um, yeah, I I was gonna stay away from Sue, but just in case that was somebody else's. But yeah, those, <laughs> those go hand in hand. It, it kind of dovetails sure. with with. Cardinal Devil Magic. Um, don't pick up ex Cardinals like that. It's a bad idea. Exactly. Uh, so bad. <laughs> All right. Oh, if well, you look what's, at, what's just, your what, real quick, one more thing. Okay. Yep. yep. That it's hard to find out. It's hard to look at that team and figure out why they were any good at all. Because you know um, their bullpen wasn't good either. Jason Jason Isringhausen was their closer. He was fine, but like certainly not a dominant yeah. closer. He, he he was a typical got the saves without the stuff behind it kind of guy. Looper he was at the end of his ton. road, pretty much, right? Like, yeah, that he was. Was, it was. It was a conversion of him uh, to. By the way, fun fact: the 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 uh, longest pitching starting matchup between two pitchers with the most letters in it is Jason Isringhausen versus William Van Landingham. Just nice, uh, um, fun That's one. Great. Um, yeah. So, like, the best, the second best offensive player for the Cardinals that year was Chris Duncan. Um, <laughs> like after Pujols. Like, it, it really like it was it was Pujols, Chris Duncan, and Jim Edmonds had, were the three best hitters in that lineup. Everybody else was they had like a whole bunch of sub seven hundred OPS guys. It, there's no reason they should have been yeah. good at all. And I still have so sorry. I have the B ref page up. Scott Spezio had an eight sixty two OPS. Oh, and, okay. and, and he had that damn beard. Scott Spezio. Oh, remember just, that? Yeah. he had that dyed beard where it was like bright yeah, the, red. The red streak. I yeah. can remember streak. he had the red streak when he was with the Angels or the Cardinals. Oh, but, I want to yeah. say that was so, with the Cardinals. Oh, that made me so mad just looking yeah. at him. That was like punchable face one hundred and one. Like just yep. oh. And the last annoying thing about that team is it. You, you want to say. That they finished one, just one game ahead of the Astros. You know, they they just eked it out with one game. But you can't say that 
because the Cardinals only played 161 games in that season. Oh, my God. And, and so they finished uh, a game and a half ahead of the Astros. <laughs> That's how that happened. <laughs> so, um, yes, annoying all around. Just bad. Just Okay, we can, we can move on now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Paul, what's your first pick? All right, so my first pick is the hatred of Marty Brenneman for high on-base percentage players. So if, if you don't know, first of all, okay. there's a lot to hate about Marty Brenneman. We'll get to all of it. But uh, Marty Brenneman just retired. He uh, was the play-by-play announcer for the Cincinnati Reds for a long time, like, like 25, 30 years. He, he's not a good announcer. Like there, there's a lot of bad announcers. Some of them, like Hawk Harrelson, are like just folksy weirdos who are kind of fun to listen to. You got your good ones, like Scully and Euchre. Marty Brenneman is very milk toast, and he provides very subpar analysis. But the worst part about him is, for whatever reason, he just hated Joey Votto with a passion. And yes. you know, for like a decade, Joey Votto was the Reds' best player. Um, he, he has obviously fallen off um, in recent years, but. If you watch any Reds game, you can always catch an instance of Marty Brenneman just like ragging on Joey Votto. He didn't like walking. He didn't like the fact that he wouldn't like swing at bad pitches with guys on base. Um, got to put the ball and, and, in play. Yep. When when Votto got his big extension, it was like a 10-year, $250 million extension, he would get into fights with callers about um, whether it was a good extension or not and just, just like, yell at people on air, like completely non-composed. It really seemed into hating it. And it's, I understand why, like, announcers, like, build up guys on their own teams who don't deserve praise, which is, you know, what, that's what you kind of, you know, what you should do. That's not partial, but I get that. But I'll never get an announcer just tearing down a team's best player all the time. Right. He did that with Adam Dunn before. And Adam Dunn at least had holes in his game. Like, he was not a good defensive player, that everybody knows that. Same kind of guy, though, you know, big walker, big power guy. Uh, and Reds games are, a, they're a good hate listen. They're not like a Hawk Harrelson hate listen, but like when <laughs> when he called the game, he would get so much wrong, like pitch identification wrong all the time um, and just ripping his own team. I cannot believe the Reds tolerated it as long as they did. The other bad part about Marty Brenneman is because of him, Tom Brenneman is a Reds um, announcer. Um, and he's and, been inflicted uh, on us in football and everything yeah, else. And yeah. He does other sports and they're they're just not good enough to, for, like nepotism, uh, I like the it. Bucks. Yeah, they're not the yeah, Bucks, exactly. you know. Like Joe, Joe Buck's pretty good. It, it, he, he might not be Jack, but he's a pretty good announcer. Uh, I know the Packer fans don't like him. That's stupid. He's a perfectly fine announcer who does not hate the Packers. Um, and, and I get like guys have similar voices when they're, but like the Brennemans are bad. Like they should be excluded. Like all Brenneman family members should be excluded from broadcasting based on <laughs> Qu- quite the opposite of being given jobs. So. Anyway, I do recommend I do recommend listening to Reds games with Marty calling if you can find one where Joey Votto is getting yelled at. They are kind of fun, but like he he's awful, and it's good that he's gone. That's my first pick. The other thing about Brenneman is he, the effect that he has had on Reds fans is amazing, and I swear, also true. Yep. Yeah, I was at a game. I want to say it was 2015, and I heard. Around me, three separate conversations of people ragging on Joey Votto, talking about how, you know, some guy and his uh, wife and their their two young kids, her just complaining and complaining and complaining about how terrible he was and how how much is left on that contract and all this. And then (laughs) from behind me, I'm hearing people complain about it, too. Like he has turned like a sizable chunk of that fan base, people that aren't discerning enough to realize that Marty Brenneman is full of shit. 
are like turned against Joey Votto. And so like the guy is going to be a Hall of Famer. Like he is on a Hall of Fame career path. I don't think there's anything really no doubt about that. And a sizable portion of the fan base in Cincinnati does not like him. He's he's been there his whole career. Think about this. How strange that is to have a guy who plays his entire career in one city and has like pretty much an undisputed Hall of Fame career path. And yet a huge portion of the fan base like actively dislikes him. Yeah, and it's, it's basically because of Marty. He yeah. also like also Joey Votto is like a good face of the franchise. He's an interesting interview. He's a big weirdo. Like it, Joey Votto says interesting things whenever someone talks to him. Um, so it, it also kind of ruins a good relationship. He honestly, Marty Brenneman has probably cost them jersey sales, like PR um, by doing this. It. And, and made a whole bunch of fans just dumber um, as a result as well. So he, he's awful, and um, he is fun to hate. I'm glad that we're not stuck with someone like him. Um, Brewer and just tend to be pretty good across the board. So sorry, Reds fans. It's just another bad thing you have to deal with aside from living in Cincinnati. Well, better late than never. Brad is here now, so we'll just have him jump in here. You can you can be the uh, last pick of the, the first round, Brad. Good morning. Do you want to tell us why you uh, were a few minutes late here? Yeah, so I'm a real cool guy who falls asleep to YouTube videos, and uh, I woke up to a YouTube video playing, and I think my phone decided YouTube was much more important than the alarm I had set. So I woke up to a good old-fashioned Arkham City from the Batman series, a walkthrough playing, and uh, a bunch of DMs from my friends asking me where the hell I was. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm here. I'm here. Uh, all everyone can rest easy. The panic is gone, and uh, sorry that I am just a gigantic nerd and not at all. It wasn't a bender. It wasn't anything fun. It was just uh, <laughs> I watched nerd things bender. to fall asleep. Yeah. That would have been a much so, better no story bars anyway. So nope. yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so well, we we wanted to make sure Brad was included in this because I'm sure Brad has lots of thoughts and feelings on things. So. Brad, what's your first pick here in the things that you hate draft? All right. Well, thankfully, I avoided the auto draft because I get to pick the thing that I (laughs) hate the most. And it is Go Cubs Go. Boy, do I hate that song. (laughs) It's so bad. Oh, man. You picked a good one here. We have to go over this in some detail. Right. So it's written by Steve Goodman for WGN back in the early 80s. And for some reason has survived everything else that has come through that era to play after every goddamn Cubs victory. And so 80s sports music that it just the second those those words course through the stadium, I am filled with a bloodlust that cannot be satisfied because unfortunately I am a sane person. But this was something that when the team was winning the World Series in 2016, it made a top 100 chart. Yep. It was number three on a top 100 chart. It, it's it's just <laughs> beyond description. Yeah, that, that I mean, song. Just, hey, Chicago, what do you say? Chicago should just get ready for a brand new day. Oh. <laughs> it, and I think the most infuriating part about it is it is actually catchy. Well, 
Well, oh, Steve Goodman earworm for sure. Yeah, let's, let's, Steve Goodman's not just a hack. Like he has written some good songs. Um, he has a much better song about the Cubs that, that <laughs> is more <laughs> apropos for the Cubs as well. The song for a dying Cubs fan. And this is just terrible. Um, the lyrics are awful. I, I urge you all to go and read them if you've never read them before. Hold up, if we want to do the dramatic <laughs> reading. <laughs> Baseball season's underway. We're going to get ready, ready for, for a brand, brand new day. day. That's the, hey, the worst Chicago, part of that. What do you say? The Cubs are going to win today. They're singing yada yada. Oh, anyway. Well, and they, it's the Cubs are going to win today, but they only play it after they win. So right. like it's a very. Like they don't even have the courage of their convictions. Like they play it as a victory song. Yeah, it should be first. Before right. they you, you, would, right. you would play it before the the game, but they don't do that because you know Cubs and. But yeah, worst, that's, that's just cowardly. By the way, the worst line in it. Um, there's a lot of bad ones. Is this is the year and the Cubs are real. <laughs> ah, the he, Cubs have been fake. He, he doesn't. Cut out, you can't cut out a four there. It actually changes the meaning of the song, of what you're saying, and it rhymes with field, which also does not rhyme with real. Um, so you you can't force a rhyme that doesn't actually rhyme. Uh, I used to um, uh, don't go and look for this because I used to be a very bad writer, but I used to have a very old blog when blogs were things, and I wrote about how bad this was one time. There's a guy who wrote a biography of Steve Goodwin. And he doesn't do this anymore because I've tried to test him. But he used to track down anybody who wrote any criticism of Go Cubs Go what? and, like, oh, yell at them in the no. comments and, like, try and sell his biography, which is, like, 800 pages. Um, with, <laughs> I mean, what? Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can track down a comment. If I can, I, I will. But um, a lot of people care a lot about this. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's really, really a bad song. It, it's just terrible. It, it's bad, and what's worse is after you hear it, it's like a snake eating its tail. It just continues to sing, it, it go in your head, and the rage builds. And one day I'm going to go full like Rage Hulk and just smash everything in my house because that damn song's in my head. Yep. So there's um, a I, line in there referencing WGN. Do they have yeah. to like change that to whatever the uh, Marquee Sports Network? I think they'll leave it in and, and just like not play it on TV. That's oh, they cut off that verse. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like that when they cut off uh, "Jump Around" at Camp Randall before the really sketchy verses jump in there. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. They're All gonna right. they're gonna edit it over. Like, remember the video with uh, Prince Fielder? The Prince Fielder will take us to go eat donuts in the Stephen Hawking voice. They'll put a little Stephen Hawking <laughs> voice in the marquee network right over the top of it. <laughs> Mr. Black. All right. Any last words on Go Cubs Go? All right. Moving on. Round, round two. Ryan, back to you. All right. We're going to stay with the Cubs here. And I'm going to – this is kind of a weird one, but go with me on this. The arrogance of geography that Cubs fans have and how they, how they behave uh, accordingly with this. So – the Cubs do put a lot of fans in Miller Park anytime that they play the Brewers. And there is like a point of pride, and you see this on Twitter from people who are like, oh, yeah, it's Wrigley Field North, you know, that that whole thing. And there's like this this point of pride for them. Well, congratulations, assholes. Like you have 10 times the amount of population as Milwaukee and you're 90 miles away. Like, yeah, of course. If, if you want to send a bunch of people up and, like, fill up the stadium, you're going to be able to do that. It's, it's not hard. There's no, also, like, most of the fans that travel to Miller Park are, like, 50 miles away and not 90 miles away. 
Yes. Yeah. And right. it's it is very funny because we've you know, everybody has discussed this, but like I've gone to Wrigley Field a bunch for Cubs Brewers games. I've never had issues there. I've never seen, you know, like super sketchy behavior, stuff like that. At Brewers Cubs games at Miller Park, though, it is nasty. You see a lot of stuff and just boorish like behavior from people that just frankly doesn't make any sense. And so, I mean, really, all this comes down to is this accident of geography. Yes, you have this massive city. You have that many more people. Congratulations. And you're able to just like flood in in large numbers. And uh, so you just kind of it, it becomes this thing that I've always laughed at. Like you taking pride in this is absolutely ridiculous. You don't get to be proud of the fact that you're you can you can send all these people into Miller Park and invade the park. Congratulations. It's just an accident of of geography and history. Way to go. Like this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so, yeah, that that one is just like just stop. You you there's no point of pride here. You're not you're not special. You're not better. It's just, you know, math. That's all there is to it. Oh, all true. It, it, this is ju- it literally just the fact that there are more people. Um, it's not that anybody's better fans. And I like I've also been to a ton of Cubs games. I used to live two blocks from Wrigley Field. I've been to well over 100 games there and never had any problem with anybody. I, I do think uh, this uh, I've, I've actually written a lot about this. There is some fault of Brewer fans here, and it's not even entirely something they can control. But when the Cubs come up here now, it has turned into such a thing that a lot of the normal Brewer fans also stay home. Like a lot of the people who would sort of make a mellow atmosphere don't go to games. So you also get the worst of the bunch, like the people who want to get into it from the Milwaukee side go to those games, too. Um, And it really kind of does turn into a dangerous atmosphere sometimes. Which is not good. I'm not even sure there's a way to fix this at this point. The Brewers, I think, do themselves a little bit of a disservice when they when they play into it. When they do, like, the everybody in the counties buy tickets first. Please don't scalp right. them. That, that doesn't work. You can't <laughs> make people not do that. But I, I honestly think the, the everybody in Milwaukee and the Brewers themselves should probably just ignore it and try and turn it back into a normal game as much as possible. But it is too bad, and and like the the northern Cubs fans that do do it are uh, they they really uh, turn it into a not fun experience. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of people from Schaumburg, right? Like that's <laughs> no, that's more of a west. It's, it's I think it's, it's like a lot of no. our own residents. Like yeah. it's a lot of like Kenosha residents. Yeah, it's, right. a, it's it's more along the border, um, the far north suburbs, and and like the border of the Channel Lakes area, Gurney. Um, Christine, I, yeah. Uh, what's the Lake Geneva um, people? You know, yeah, like, Lake Geneva sh- for sure. Yeah. As a Racine resident, I <laughs> will tell you, Racine doesn't really care about baseball one way or the other. It's a weird <laughs> vacuum. <laughs> so but there's there a lot of Bears lot fans of com- there, right? Uh, I don't really run into a lot of Bears fans in Racine. No. Uh, when I was in Kenosha, it was like nonstop. But I would say the Bears percentage is more like 80-20 here, where it feels more like 50-50 in Kenosha. Oh, all right. I didn't. I always think of them as kind of the same thing. So interesting distinction. Yeah. Well, like I think the big distinction is uh, when you look at Kenosha News and Journal Times. Journal Times is the local Racine paper. They're both owned by the same affiliate. The sports page for Journal Times is strictly Packers. The sports page for Kenosha News is split 50-50. All right. Hmm. Interesting. interesting. All right. All right. James, do you have round two, pick two? Round two, pick two. Javi buys his magical tags. 
they're fine. I, it, you know, it's it's fine. He's he's a solid defender, but it's just the hype at this point is getting ridiculous. <laughs> Hearing Len Casper go nuts for it in his Kermit the Frog voice every time he makes like a triple tag. It, there's like an element of Jim Edmonds to them, I think, right? Like where Jim Edmonds always had like the reputation of diving when he could have just ran and caught it. Yeah. Um, um, and, and Javi Baez is a good defender, but he's not like Ozzy Smith. Like this is... Right. <laughs> he, right. It, 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 there's a lot of flash over what he actually contributes. Sure. And to be clear, like, I don't hate Flash. Cool. Have fun yeah, with fine. it. It's totally just, fine. You know, like, yeah, awesome. Draw people to the game that way. It's it's great. I just mostly hate the hype that he's, like, the greatest thing since Ozzy Smith. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just because he can slap a tag on between his legs. And, well, you know, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's more the hype than anything, right? Like, he's perfectly fine. Go do you. But he's he's not the best in the world. And it's is my point. I feel like it's a very uncommon thing that yeah, people celebrate a, where it's, it's like a really a, random thing. Right. Yeah. I've been a baseball fan for a long time and I can't remember anyone bragging about the way another player tags someone on the bases. <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird thing to focus on. It's like a circus skill. It, uh, I mean, well, right. Most people are fine at tagging people. It just. You know, you just right. get in position correctly and slap it on him. <laughs> and maybe right. that's it. The rest, he's so bad at it that he has to do it in insane ways, and it happens to work on a regular basis. Yeah, maybe he's just out of position. It's like the Jeter jump throw. He's just out of position, and he had to <laughs> do something to make the play, right? Well, and then so there's the inverse of it, too, like, because they always talk about him evading tags and all these, that's like, true. weird, yeah. like, things. Well, a big part of why he's always having to, like, do acrobatic, weird, evade tag moves is because he runs indiscriminately and like gets himself into a lot of bad positions where he, like the idea is not to have to evade a, a tag in some right, acrobatic that means, way. That means the throw beat you by a lot. <laughs> you shouldn't have gone. And he does occasionally get tagged out instead of evading the tag. So, yeah. right. That's, yeah. a, that's a very Carlos Gomez situation too. Right. Where like Gomez would, would evade tags and it'd be fun and cool like that. But yeah, also you were running when you were, not supposed to and made a bad decision correct so that that's my little mini vent on on the <laughs> tagging which is a good the idea that it's something weird to care about is is a very good point that i hadn't even brought up i just kind of hate the hype but it's like is there any other baseball skill that you could hype up that is like that right. weird now i like, want to wow. know if he's actually the best at tagging people like i don't know someone kind of reminds me of it, turning it to a brewer's um perspective although this is much more important to the game but when like chris capuano would have a bad game and players would get on and the broadcast would just be like but his pickoff move he can get that player off base anytime (laughs) right exactly that is a good one that chris capuano did have like the best pickoff move ever but it's it's such a niche skill to have like right it only matters if you're letting a lot of people on base oh god guys do you remember in the 90s the guy who no the guy who was the pickoff master, Andy Pettit, and they would just oh, go yeah. on. Tim McCarver probably spoke more words about Andy Pettit's pickoff move, which was illegal, by the way, completely illegal. And like Tim McCarver probably <laughs> spoke more bullshit words about that thing than anything else. And it's oh, that that one drove me nuts. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a really weird, random. I think Freddie Freeman's gotten props for his uh, scooping ability at first base. Which, <laughs> oh yeah, not that people, least 
tangible. That translates to people love know, to find uh, things first basemen are good at when they're not good yeah. at hitting. So that, that's right. a little... yeah. He really keeps his back foot on the bag well. Anthony's <laughs> the scooping is the th- like the th- like, like the throwing player's fault. <laughs> like, exactly. Anthony. Yeah. Like he's covering up an error. That's that's at least a tangible benefit. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's still maybe the tagging thing, thing is like maybe the tagging thing is like cool, yep. Javi. Thanks for saving Wilson versus <laughs> terrible throw down to second. Base. This actually, yeah, this dovetails nicely with the last effectively wild bit where they did this actually because I think it was Meg drafted first baseman doing the splits, which which is great, uh-huh. uh, and also a, like a nice like niche talent that doesn't actually do that much. So every uh, time I watched Jesus Aguilar go down into the splits, which he did a lot. Yeah. When he was with the Brewers, I would go, how has he not torn every tendon in his body? Like, how is how is there anything left between, you know, is there like, his knees, is there like some like Is there some coach who just roams around MLB teaching large men to do the splits? The, the split instructor. Yeah, like, seri- like the, a lot of first basemen do the splits who you would like, not think can do the splits. Yeah, I remember Prince whipping it out a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because he's short, too. But that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. Are, are we are we back to me? Yes. All right. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to actually go down the list a little bit and try and steer us away. We've had too many cups in a row. So one thing I I really, really d- love disliking is non sausage races. Um, <laughs> yes. I so the, the, the Brewers invented this like the, the sausage race has been going on for a very long time since County Stadium when it was just up on the board and it was just three sausages. And it has exploded in popularity since then, where you know, the Brewers have the live version. They've added sausages to the race, and a bunch of people have copied them. Most prominently, the Pirates, who have the pierogi race, which, first of all, <laughs> are pierogies like a thing you associate with Pittsburgh? Like, you know, Milwaukee has a lot of German immigrants. Like, the sausage thing, it makes a lot of sense. When I think of Pittsburgh food, I think of that stupid sandwich that has French fries on it. And that's kind of all I think about. Not pierogies. I mean, lots. Uh, it's Polish, right? Like lots mm-hmm. of people have Polish people. Um, and I also don't think of pierogi filling as being like a big distinction among pierogies. <laughs> it, it just seems like a weird choice. Like you, there's a lot of different kinds of food you could have race with more distinction than that. Um, like St. Louis could have like terrible ravioli to go against terrible pizza. That would be fine. But this is not that. And then the the president race in Washington. Uh, okay, a little more credit. It makes sense. It's yeah, that really makes sense. Teddy always loses. Like that. That's a nice little thing to it. But still, like they're all just ripoffs of this. And then those, at least, like some effort went into it. There's costumes. There's people racing. But if you go to any random sport, you will see on the scoreboard something racing to promote a product. Um, the worst I've ever experienced is at Chicago Bulls games, where I am not getting every stoppage in play. Has something racing, calling in water things racing, donuts racing, <laughs> and when you walk into a Bulls game, you get a card with like uh, basically a bunch of lottery tickets, and like whatever wins the various races, you get like a discount on. It, that's too much. Even Packer games, they have the Miller Lights and the Miller High Life bottles racing uh, on the scoreboard. Right. That's there is too much racing in sports. Um, figure out something else that products can compete at, please, um, and. It, it, you know what makes it worse on the Pittsburgh side too is that it, of course it was a pirate who assaulted the sausages, um, and yeah, it was Randall Simon. Randall when Simon. he was on the Pirates, we never got revenge for that. Uh, honestly, we should get to hit a pierogi. I think um, <laughs> it's only fair. Uh, it, 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 this really should have happened. Uh, it should have. It, it definitely should have happened. Like pretend at some point. Like that would be fantastic. But uh, yeah, I, I, I hate the expansion of, of of races outside of the sausage race. 
Do you know what the worst one is? Uh, so apparently not. You didn't. You didn't touch on this. Arizona, the Diamondbacks now have a racing contest. Uh, I don't know how far back they started this, but I just I had to look up who was actually in it. So they basically have four legends. Diamondbacks legends because no way Diamondbacks. four Diamondbacks legends. When you think of the Diamondbacks and their rich history, they definitely have enough to pull this off. So, so is let's, it? Okay, yeah, one yeah, one yeah, right? Try to guess the four. Try oh, to good, guess good, the good. four. Uh, okay, so Luis Gonzalez. That's one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Randy, Johnson. Randy Johnson and Kurt yeah. Schilling are Randy both Johnson on there. Is two. Kurt Schilling. Schilling's not on it. Nope. Oh, very oh. PC pick to, to exclude Kurt Schilling from the race. So that's fine. Uh, Craig Council. No, that would <laughs> no, be Craig amazing. Braden Webb. No, Braden Webb. I mean, he was legitimately like these, the best pitcher in baseball. Two are going to be tough. I think one, maybe if you think hard, you could get it. And there's one, there's no chance in hell you're going to guess. I can't think of any other good Diamondbacks. So, okay, you've got Luis Gonzalez, Randy Johnson, both make sense. Matt Williams oh, had a couple yeah. of good years in Matt Arizona. Williams? Yeah, yeah, well, okay, was... hold on a second. Like, you can't take somebody else's like all-time great player. Oh, it gets worse than that. <laughs> First off, the Padres definitely do. I just went to their stadium, and their Hall yeah, of Fame is all players who, like, this person drove through San Diego and now is in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. I mean, the Brewers, do, the Brewers do this, too, but they don't have a race yeah. with um, you right. know, those guys in it. So, uh, like, Ray Durham's not the Brewers race. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, okay, uh, Gonzo, Randy Johnson, Matt Williams. I'm just going to say this because there's no chance you're going to okay. get the fourth one. Mark Grace. Mark oh, Grace, come on. Yeah. Yep, because he was an announcer and because yep. he is that kind of a guy that fans, like a certain sort of fan, identifies with Mark Grace as being like great because he has said some questionable things in his career and has some, <laughs> yeah, some some not great stuff in there. Most hits of the 90s, guys. Most oh. hits of the 90s. Is that it? <laughs> so uh, aside from the names, you really need to like Google it. Okay, that race is like this is. That's a travesty. The the giant heads that they make these people wear. So like they basically suit them up in in the uniforms that they played in in those eras, right? But they have to wear these giant foam heads, and some of the likenesses are very scary. <laughs> so you need to Randy Johnson especially. Uh, yeah, is it towering over all of them, <laughs> just like wobbling? Yeah. Look, if you're gonna, yeah, have... it's like a giant foam head on top of a normal human body. It was if you're giant. gonna have a race, you need to have some kind of mascot, and if you have players, they have to actually have played for your franchise and contributed to it in a significant way. I think... Like, Mark Grace had his last year in Arizona, didn't he? I, I don't know. I don't even so, care. Like nobody thinks of Mark very Grace as a Diamondback. That yeah, yeah. So if the Brewers did this like in 2011, would it be like Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, Raleigh Fingers, and Bob Uecker? Um, would they do Hank? Oh yeah, <laughs> probably Hank. They, I think you fit Hank in there. Uh, Aaron or the dog? We have to uh, clarify. Well, it's 2011. Hank the dog has not yet been born oh, right, or right, died. Right. Okay, that's right. That was the next year or two. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was the year coming out of the uh, Ryan Braun situation, right? 2014 was the year of uh, Hank being uh, found. Yeah, they just when Hank you wandered know, in. What do you th- What do you think? Yeah, it's just a weird coincidence that a nice PR story happened to <laughs> waddle into camp the yeah, year then, that they were facing uncomfortable questions. And then a very weird... very sad when he died. Yeah, Hank died. I I heard I heard rumors of that. It was on the news. Didn't you see it? <laughs> I uh, are there they're on Hank four? <laughs> Nobody right. knows how many uh, Hanks there are. 
All right. All right. Brad, uh, you are out. Brad, yep. Okay. <laughs> Round two, um, pick four. Okay. I am going with Yadier Molina is more valuable than any other baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you qualified it because I didn't just want to rip on Yadi the whole time. Yeah. But... No, Yadi is actually a very good catcher. <laughs> and it has uh, stood the test of time more than most of his peers. But if we're looking at greatness, aside from his defense, like they love to say that Yadier Molina is the best all-around catcher ever. He's a very, very good defender, undoubtedly. Future Hall of Famer. It probably future is a future Hall of, Hall of Famer. I actually think he will make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I think his uh, the intangibles and you know the lack of tracking of, of framing for a good chunk of his career probably create enough uncertainty to get him in. That's my guess. But I think I always think back to, uh, you know, he really didn't reach his offensive peak until 2011. And then there's 2012, 2013. That's when his WRC plus was well over 100 and around 100 although uh, average for uh the league is still pretty well above average for catchers they don't generally hit well so you're still looking at above average player but he wasn't even the best catcher of those years you have a catcher in San Francisco whose yep. name literally just yeah. escaped my mind. Buster Posey. Yeah, we Buster got Buster Posey. <laughs> I was like, B-Boy. B-Boy <laughs> in the Bay. <laughs> Buster Posey. You have Jonathan Lucroy. Lucroy was better, too, for a while, yeah. Yeah. True. Um, well, and, and if now, you go back to the beginning fight- of the career, Joe Maurer was the gold standard and catcher, offensive, defensive, everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. The right. first catcher to win MVP in how long? Yeah, it had been a while since Pudge in the 90s. Yep. Right. So, so you're looking at Yadier Molina, and then you have – it's just this – like you throw out – and if you follow Best Fans in Baseball, the Twitter account, you've seen it. You throw out situations where it's, would you trade Yadier Molina for Mike Trout straight up? And the answer is no because no one's that dumb. And they say no because Yadier Molina's too good. He's 37. He is 37 years old. <laughs> Mike Trout is the best baseball player of this generation. If his year, or if his career continues progressing the way it is, possibly the best player ever. What are you talking about? And it doesn't matter who you're trading for. They even have the audacity to go back in time and say, like, ah, I wouldn't even trade uh, Yadier Molina for Babe Ruth in his prime. <laughs> and granted, Babe Ruth didn't play against anyone but old washed-up white men, but still, he's Babe Ruth. He has an heir to him. And the idea that you wouldn't trade a 37-year-old catcher for the most legendary baseball player of all time just says something about the ego you have about a yeah. single player. It doesn't matter if Ryan Braun never cooled off from 2011 status and never did the PED thing. I'd still say trade the hell out of him for Mike Trout every day of my life. I would, if that were a possibility or even a thought, I would scream it from the rooftops. And he would be the most treasured thing to me as a Brewers fan in the history of ever. But the idea that this guy is so important to your team that he is untradeable for any return, despite him being in the twilight of his twilight years, is astounding. Well, speaking I of think- arrogance, the the little thing that he has, have you ever noticed on his catcher gear, he has the number of like gold gloves and <laughs> all that is like literally on his on his shoulder pad. <laughs> and it's just like it's like gold embossed like. I, I'm not kidding. It's actually there, and you can Good see for you, Yachty. his. I'm, I'm, his, I'm fine with that. 
his number of gold gloves. It's just like, oh, it's so, oh, it's so nauseating to me, though. I do think that's was, that's the best thing best fan, fan St. Louis does because like every every fan base, especially like middle country fan base and southern fan base, has their share of stupid racist fans, which is what they tend to focus on. Uh, certainly, like I write about the Packers, they have plenty of that. Let's not throw stones, right. but. The, the Yachty thing is legitimately weird. Like, I, I don't think there is a, a huge comparable, like, thing to that. It, it, it's not like, like, what, what would it even be? Like, it, I can't think of the Brewers having a John player. John Oh, uh, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't think of having a player like that, um, that, like, I wouldn't trade for anything. I just can't con- conceive of it. And I can't think of any like scenarios for other teams either. So it, it's a cool, like, I love when they do that, when they ask him, would you trade him for Trout? It, it's it's always great. Well, and the thing is, and it started early, too. Like, this was not a thing that popped up, like, in the twilight of his career once he was in his 30s. They were all claiming he was on, like, a Hall of Fame career path before, because when he started, he was a really good defensive catcher and could hit a little bit. And it seemed like he always, when he would hit a little bit, it was in Miller Park. Like, dude popped, what was it? He had one season where he hit, like, seven of his, like, 12 home runs were at yep, Miller yeah, Park. Not yeah, just against yeah, the Brewers. That was my fault, by the way. But at Miller Park. And so, like, they all thought that he was a god even before this. They thought he was a Hall of Famer. I remember reading in, like, Keith Law chats, like, a very, very, very long time ago, back when they were still on ESPN, that, like, Cardinals fans saying, yeah, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. And, like... At that point, if there was not even an argument because the the argument that will come in later will be that the pitch framing. Well, I think this yeah. was even before we had like good pitch framing numbers to say how good he was. They were just off the top of their heads saying, no, 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 he's he's that great. He's so perfect because I'm assuming well, what Herboski would never stop playing him up in in broadcasts or whatever like the the anti yeah indeed they gave him full credit for their rotations long-term success good point they do do that all the time it, it, he gets credit for any pitcher that makes it and and it's well yadi's veteran guidance is a good catcher important for a pitcher to have is increasing some level of success for a pitcher Yes, we know that, but that's why framing is so valuable. But if we know that those players can have success outside of that organization, and we know that they've also had some of the best pitching coaches that a team can uh, pony up for, it's it's just astounding the level that they're willing to commit to how amazing he is. Um, I get it, your fan base, you're going to sell people up. But I've even seen, like, Aaron Rodgers, you know, spectacular Packer, uh, fading in talent. But even Packer fans are like, yeah, trade him for Deshaun Watson. Straight up. (laughs) (laughs) There are are a couple Packer fans who I think are still like Aaron's the greatest and they wouldn't trade him. But I think it's a little bit different. um, And there's like some nostalgia baked in there. And if you pushed him, I think you'd get like that there's a few that are better. That he was the greatest all time for a little bit, but he's not anymore. Um, not the Yachty thing seems to just defy all logic. Right. Um, the Rogers thing is probably not a bad comp, though. I think that that's close. The, the difference, though, is that Aaron Rodgers legitimately was the best player in football at some point, whereas Yachty has never been the best player in baseball. Not even close. Well, and at least you still see like three game periods of flashes from Aaron, where you can understand yeah. why that nostalgia would be so triggered in the fans. But... Also true. Yeah, I, I was just gonna put his stupid neck tattoo on my list, but this is a much <laughs> more valuable conversation to have. 
I wanted to put spitting on umpires, but it felt too personal. <laughs> <laughs> Who did he kick in the crotch? He kicked oh, somebody God. in the crotch. I it was on the Reds <laughs> in like 2013. Oh, like during one of those brawls. Yeah. yeah, it was a brawl. He got up against a wall and he kicked somebody in the crotch. There was that. Kick David Ross in the head and give him a concussion. Was that one or no? That's a different. That was a different brawl. I think. Anyway, all right. So back to, let's, let's <laughs> back to the top. Third round, first pick. Ryan, right. what do you got? La- final round of the draft. I'm going to go the St. Louis Cardinals Association with Bush Beer and the the Budweiser <laughs> family and all of this shit because it is so annoying. Um, first off, you have three stadiums. And I think that Sportsman's Park was before, like way, way, way back in the, the days, uh, was like the Cardinals Stadium. But they either changed that to Bush Stadium 1 or, I don't know, they built a new stadium and called it Bush 1. But they have now, they're on their third Bush Stadium. So mm-hmm. really, like, yep. great naming, guys. Like, you have you have really, uh, you know, it, you can't even, like, differentiate between them. It's like the Madison Square Gardens. There's been, like... 30 of them and like the current version of it is not even at the same place as the old ones and all that. So there's that. And the fact that they, they're so tied to it and they're so like, and the, the, the Budweiser organization is just kind of like very creepy and very like, they get so uh, very worked about their, uh, their Clydesdales. And remember when Miller took poked at the, at the Clydesdale thing in a Super Bowl ad, their response was so like haughty and huffy and like, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. It was, it was Our like, get a painting couch. Very how dare you? Our horses are Yaddy and Molina. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's, there's that. And just like that whole association, like going back, like the, the owner, I was watching the uh, Ken Burns baseball thing. Like they've been owned at various points by, by members of the Bush family and all that. And so just the, the synergy between like, and, and let's be honest, really, really shitty beer and an obnoxious team that thinks it's great. Like it's, they, they kind of work perfectly together that you have this shitty beer that thinks it's great. And this team that thinks it's, you know, God's gift to baseball and they just work perfectly together. So having those things together to hate is just it is fun. It is great to be able to to rag on them about their 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 shitty beer. Now, Ryan, I can't make you take a draft choice back, but with that last statement, it does kind of feel a little like throwing, you know, rocks at glass houses. Because I mean, we do have our uh, forever connection to Miller uh, that people are like, well, even if it, the stadium naming rights are owned by another place, you still have to name it Miller Park. I'll never know is that anything else. It's not that like lifelong affinity as much, but it's there. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's definitely part of the deal. The thing is, it's not part of the identity of the Brewers quite the same way. I mean. The Brewers had is it they're called the Brewers, right? But but originally, like the until Miller Park came along, uh, the sponsorship for the uh, for beer in the park was Pabst. I mean, we don't have yes. this long-standing affiliation with like one beer brand the same way that that they do with you know Bush. Like it's not well, quite what? the same thing. Like it's not the family connection isn't there. I don't think the Millers never owned. The Brewers, I don't think there was anything there. No, they didn't. That's no. true. I, I guess. Uh, I will say, having been to Bush Stadium, 
the 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 bad beer that they do have there has been more expensive compared to other Midwestern stadiums for a longer period of time. It's been a while since I've been there, but last time I was there, it was like three bucks more expensive than getting a comparable like Miller product at Miller Park, which is ridiculous. And, you know, it's not like St. Louis is some booming metropolis where I understand when beer in San Diego is more expensive or San Francisco, but not so much in St. Louis. You should be giving that stuff away. Um, but <laughs> the other thing that is, I think, I don't know if this is just good marketing, but it's kind of obnoxious is the uh, the colors of a normal Budweiser match the Cardinals. And so the product, like the, the marketing stuff really, really matches up well. Like Budweiser hats are Cardinal hats. Um, they look pretty much exactly the same. They're tied up more that way. Um, right. There's a corporate synergy that's just kind of nauseating. Like they always bring yeah. out like their their opening day thing is to have the Clydesdales come tromping around the, the field. And they've been doing that forever. Like there's a video right. of it's it like, from like the 60s. It's like the official team of Budweiser. Uh, in a different way than when someone says, and we're the official beer sponsor of this MLB team or MLB. Right. It's, it is like they're playing yeah. under, like they're playing for that beer, and it is absurd. And yeah, Milwaukee has a problem with it, but like Ryan says, like up until late 80s when Paps crashed, and they were one of the biggest names. And we had... um I'm bad with names today. Schlitz, Schlitz, Schlitz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't get a, that one wrong. Which was a uh, major, important beer brewer in our area as well. So, indeed. Uh, All right, James, you are up. Yeah. Last pick. Third Last round. pick. Staying with the stadium themes, I will go with the stupid baskets at Wrigley Field. Oh, good I hate one. Them. Okay. All right. I hate them. They're pointless. They're not There's so no okay. I, I, so this is going to be a controversial we, round. I can tell. We can we can we can argue about this, but I don't see the need for them. You know, the state needs for them, right? It's for the wall. It's, it's so people it, don't crash into the wall. Sure, but like it still <laughs> doesn't work. And I I am of the opinion that when they redid Wrigley Field, they should have just ripped out the the baskets and uh, made made the walls. You know, se- either separate the bleachers from the walls so idiots don't fall over, which is one of those purposes, <laughs> or you know, just there have been wall. people who know. have fallen yeah. into the baskets, right? That has happened. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like it's, if it's not like the people just diving in to grab a baseball, it's yeah, it, it it's the drunks in the stands. I just don't. <laughs> I'm I'm more just annoyed at at the cheap home runs that have been hit against the Brewers that way when so it, it's blowing in, and it should have been a flyout at the wall. That's and, definitely true. When when a home run falls in the basket, it is infuriating well, because you almost always yeah. think it's going to be caught, and then it gets robbed by the stupid thing sticking out. So I yeah. agree with you on that. It's, it it's is like a, a mechanic. Yeah, it's a mechanical fan interference. Like get rid of it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Also, if it's such a problem, yeah, uh, get rid of the ivy. It is, it is surprising it's a brick wall. that the brick wall is grandfathered Put up in. Um, it, it does hurt people fairly often. I think people have kind of... Yeah, yeah break exactly. Keon Braxton's wrist, so, right? And the ivy, is, like, it would be one thing if it was a brick wall and you knew, like, I'm about to run into a brick wall. But I do think the ivy, like, gives you just a second of... Oh, that doesn't look hard. You know, it, it screws up your, your internal reaction to it. Like, you know there's a brick back there, but if you're just looking at it, you don't have that instinctual reaction that I'm about to run into a brick wall. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that is, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised that they grandfather stuff in, but, you know, it seems like they maybe would have softened that up at some point. You could surely grow ivy over pads. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
Didn't Mil- Miller right. Park was like growing ivy over the batter's eye for a long time, right? Yeah. Like, so, sure. so you can you can do that. Yeah, Whatever. and then the Cubs objected to it. They were like, "That's our thing. You can't have it." <sighs> Shut up. Okay. Ivy. Yes, we own ivy. Uh, yeah, so that, that's my thing. I don't have much more uh, stats or anything to back that up. It, it's my, it's a third round pick. I'm just venting. No, that's and fine. <laughs> the baskets suck. We we agree. The baskets suck, and we can. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, staying along the same theme, my my final pick of the third round is actually the Ricketts. The Cubs have a long history of bad ownership, and like the the Wrigley family were terrible owners. There, the curse is because the Wrigleys suck. Um, but. The Ricketts have really picked up and run with this because they are just awful people. They're first and foremost huge Trumpers and act like it's um, th- they they cry poor all the time. Uh, actually, feel a little bit bad for Cubs fans for the existence of the Ricketts because they're the ones not spending right now. Like the Cubs haven't made any significant upgrades since their World Series win. That you know this is a good window for them. They have a lot of good players, and they're, they're the third richest team in baseball. Like with I think without question, they have infinite money. And could could buy their could have bought their ways to several World Series titles had they wanted to, but they haven't done so. They've also ruined Wrigleyville. I used to live in Wrigleyville for a long time. It it has its charm and its desire is because it's in a neighborhood with real houses and real people around it. They have just built this huge mega structure that's basically a fortress, um, cutting off the neighborhood from easy access to it, um, and putting a lot of the smaller bars and restaurants out of business. It's it, you, the copy always shares they turned it into Disneyland. Um, that's, I think, fairly accurate. There used to be a kind of a good, kind of almost town and gown thing where you'd get people coming in from the suburbs to go to Cubs games, but you'd also have the locals who actually live there and, you know, work in the city. Um, and, and it was a good, nice melting pot of people doing fun things. And now it's just a bunch of Cub owned mega bars um, around the stadium that nobody authentic really wants to go to. Um, it's mostly for rich people in the northern burbs, um, and it, it is no longer, I, I think, that fun to live there. So uh, the Ricketts are um, your quintessential bad billionaires, um, trying poor, um, ruining something that was good for, I think, short-term profit. I think it'll hurt the team long-term to have it not be as much of a destination, and uh, just kind of evil people. So, yeah. There's no reason why Bryce Harper yeah. or Manny Machado aren't, Cubs, right? Like they should have signed one of those two. They absolutely should have done so. And now they're and now they're trading Chris Bryant away. (laughs) Yeah, I mean the last the last reasonable thing they did was sign you Darvish. Like, and since then it's been basically quiet and not doing anything. Sign Hernan. Yeah, this winter. (laughs) Yeah, they're big additions of Hernan Perez and oh, who else was it that uh, Jeffress? Like, yeah, Jeremy Jeffress. Yeah. Which fine, but they they're acting like a like they're the cause of this whole like not spending as much money trend. Like they're a rich team that could be dominating everybody and just choose not to for no good reason. I yeah, mean, I, good good for us, but right, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna hesitate to put this on my list just because I'm not gonna complain about the the Cubs actively choosing to be worse than they should be, but you know they. They sat out every big name free agent that would have wanted to come there too, and I don't know if it's just because they're gun shy over Jason Hayward and you Darvish or what happened. But but what's I mean, the point that, of even having Theo Epstein in your front office if you're not going to actually act on? I assume he's thing. giving advice as like you know we could sign a bunch of these people, apply to rally back, perform well, and nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. 
Or even extending your beloved current players that are going to be good for many years to come. Anthony Rizzo wants to stay, you know, like, and they're just going to break up this nucleus that they had, you know, like they were supposed to, what, win three, two or three, three or four, that kind of thing with this core. And instead, they're just going to ship them all away. I don't know. I I would be extremely upset as a Cubs fan right now. So, yeah, I mean, they did get their World Series and that's, you know their comfort to them. But yeah, yeah this was supposed good. to be a bigger project than that. And I, you can't help but feel like they pushed a little hard, a little bit early to get that done and larded up their, their payroll with a bunch of things. And I guess that's laudable because they, you know, they had gone through that deep rebuild and all that stuff, but it also, even at the time it smacked kind of a panic and you knew it was going to make their teams worse in 2018 2019 2020 those were going to be worse teams because of the decisions to do things like sign jason hayward to sign uh john lester like you knew that those they were going to pay for that down the road and they are in a big way so even though yeah, they, but they, they, didn't, they didn't have to <laughs> they, could, they could just spend more <laughs> they that's true right. they could have because they are basically printing money down there Yes, <laughs> they have a lot of people coming. They have, uh, you know, a lot of people watching on TV. They have tons. They're a super famous national team that everybody cares about countrywide. They have infinite money. Like we talk about the Brewers lying about their finances and being in the red. Like the Cubs make like 10 times more than the Brewers. Do. Right. <laughs> they have no excuse at all. All right, let's wrap this puppy up. Brad, last pick. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a huge steal at attend the draft. Value pick. It was the summer of 1970. The Cubs were playing the Braves. Hank Aaron hit one of his majestic, beautiful home runs into the Wrigley Field bleachers, and it landed in the hands of a upset bartender. The bartender took the ball, and with an anger fueled by previous offense for Aaron, cocked back and let that sucker fly right back into the outfield. <laughs> and thus spurred decades... Here. In decades of idiotic fans hucking crap onto the field. <laughs> great pick. This is a great. Pick. Uh, real, really quick, just to tie this back to Marty Brenneman. Um, Marty Brenneman actually had a famous feud with the Cubs over this happening. Uh, uh, some red, I can't, can't remember who, hit a home run there, and like a bunch of Cub fans threw balls back onto the field um, and like <laughs> and shut the game down. And from that point on, like Marty Brenneman, I, this is a good thing about Marty Brenneman, would just rip on Cubs fans, call them the worst fans in the league um, because of the throwing things back on the field um, and because it delayed a Reds game one time. And then can we talk about what makes it even worse? Now they switched the ball. That's right. That's right. They don't have the courage of their convictions. A bunch of guys, if it's any kind of famous ball, which, you know, most are kind of famous for some reason or another, Cubs fans will now bring balls to games, and if they catch one, put pocket the real one and throw a fake one back onto the field. It's it's spread. It happens at Miller Park, and it upsets me so much that the Brewers faithful will do this. It is a rival's thing. Don't do it. Keep the ball. It's a home run. You caught a home run. (laughs) Yeah, of of all the things that have spread, this is more annoying but in the same vein as the wooing that is more recent vintage where it's oh, spread God, throughout the, the division. Wooing existed. Why? <laughs> God damn it. But no, it uh, just, I mean, it's very cut and dry. Why it's stupid. You, I mean, one of the most exciting things as a fan, especially is to catch a ball. And obviously the rarest of all is the home run ball. 
you know, you want to take home a souvenir. It's one of the exciting things about seeing a live baseball game is it's the one time where something lands in the stadium and you don't have to give it back. And I mean, yeah, hockey pucks are cool too, but <laughs> it's it's different because of what is being achieved during what's taking place. And especially, I understand that apparently there's some story that goes along with it where actually the same guy had caught a Hank Aaron ball the year before, tried to give it to Aaron after the game, but was stiffed because Aaron was like, everyone's throwing beer at me, I gotta go. <laughs> so then he was like, Hank Aaron for the rest of his days. Um, but he started a trend that has just become idiotic and that people will fake it and switch out the ball to then keep the souvenir instead of just, if you just, a few people were like, no, I'm going to hold on to this. I caught a home run ball. This is cool. Maybe you would die. Maybe people would realize like, so, Oh, we're being that assholes. Actually, that is one of the reasons that people do the fake ball thing. Um, because there is definitely pressure in the bleachers. Oh, yeah. to throw the ball back and if you do try and keep it you will get harassed and have to get out really quickly um and that that did happen to some people so that is partially why the fake ball thing happened it is partially fans who want to catch a home run protecting themselves but also like don't hassle the people who don't throw it back stop doing that that's bad well and i think part of it is the culture that i don't i mean we know Anyone who's been to Wrigley, I went for the first time last year, knows that Wrigley fans are nicer than uh, the Miller Park Cubs fans for reasons we've already explored. But I feel like there is such a mentality of when you're in the Wrigley bleachers, you're drunk and you're crazy. So there is this expectation that you're going to get hammered, you're going to be wild, and you get caught in that mentality, which then makes heckling become bullying well and even like fans there will talk about the fact that well you don't go sit in the bleachers to watch the game like that's you're you're in the bleachers for the party you're in the bleachers for the carnival and like even if you're a hardcore baseball fan that that's part of the deal and it you you do see it i've only been out in the bleachers a few times actually the first time i ever met paul in person we sat out in the wrigley bleachers was that 2014 2015 somewhere around there and it was a relatively uh relatively tame game i don't think anything i don't remember anything particularly awful happening in the bleachers for that game but like notice how many of the things in this in this draft have centered around the wrigley bleachers like it is (laughs) you know we're talking about the the baskets we're talking about the uh the the throwing the ball back like it is just sort of like a den of iniquity like and and it's also like this point of pride for for Cubs fans that is just sort of icky. And, you know, as Paul said earlier, there's every team has its issues with racist fans and racial abuse. But people who have played in the major leagues have talked about it being particularly bad coming from the Wrigley bleachers, that that is particularly a rough place for it. I know Jock Jones talked about that. Latroy Hawkins has talked about that, that like that is a place that. It, it seems to spur it in this crowd mentality of nastiness. So, yeah, definitely it's, screw the Wrigley bleachers. Wrigley and Boston, isn't it? Because Adam yep. Jones always had issue in Boston, too. Yep, absolutely. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I, I'm just appreciating how bookended these uh, picks ended up being. The last pick mentioning the Wrigley bleachers, Ryan, you're 
first pick, you mentioned your brother, big fan of rookie of the year. Henry <laughs> Rowan Gardner got his shot at the majors by throwing back a home run ball. Yes, yes, yes he did. Actually, that Energy. entire image was running through my head as I told the story as he whips the 100 mile per hour fastball back to, to the catcher. <laughs> so there we go. Full circle here with this draft. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, that should wrap up the draft. Um, some good teams. I, I, I do like Ryan's. I think he might not be drafting first next year, so that's good. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I think that that worked pretty well. Went pretty well. This is fun. Hopefully, everybody found it entertaining. We'll have to do this again. I have a feeling we're going to have uh, a lot of time on our hands in the <laughs> next few weeks to come up with some of this stuff. And you know, but by all means, once we post this, you know, reply to the tweet at mke tailgate on twitter you can share your own things that you i don't know hate is a strong word love to hate severely love to hate there we go we we throw that in there and and you know i feel like we should qualify this with uh there's probably plenty of things about the brewers that rival fans <laughs> could also say and some of those are probably very valid and we don't want to you know throw stones from glass houses as brad said so uh <laughs> with that in mind this is a lot of fun though so looking ahead, uh, I know we're we're still trying to figure out when baseball season starts, and that's affecting a couple of our contests. So Ryan, did you have any updates on, say, the fantasy league or the prop bets? Everything's any just on hold for right now. We'll we'll update as we start to get information about what's going to happen. So everything's on hold for right now. Yeah. So it, you know, at the time being, it doesn't sound like there's going to be baseball anytime soon. I know we mentioned last week. Like I think we're all hopeful for the Fourth of July. I'm personally skeptical about that, but you know we'll we'll see how this plays out. Hopefully, everything uh, plays out better. In the meantime, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else you listen to your podcast. And while you're there, please do leave a review, help other people find the podcast, and let us know how we're doing. Uh, with that in mind, thanks again for listening. Hopefully you had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun doing this, and we will see you next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Stay well, everybody. Bye.